You are about to witness history in the making. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to another show of the Pop Culture Gamers podcast. My name's Hayden, this is show number 123, and it's the 22nd of June 2021. A little bit later than normal, I think we're all being a bit burnt out from uh, E3 and whatever, and unfortunately I'm on my own. Steve is uh, working late nights at the moment, so we've been unable to record uh, during the week. However, it was Sunday, on this Sunday, it was Father's Day, and we just kind of like wanted a little bit of family time, so that's why we're a bit late uh, this week as well. Mark, unfortunately, is very busy with work, so he's going to uh, be popping in and out whenever he can. Okay, so, uh, this week, what have we, I've been doing? Well, I've been busy doing a bit of DIY, um, been getting a bit of help from my next door neighbour, and, We've been repa- replacing each other's fascia boards and um, plastic guttering and all of that sort of thing on the outside of the house. Never done that before. Found it really, really, uh, e- well, sort of like exciting to do because I love doing a bit of DIY. And also been replacing the soffits as well around my uh, bay window. Um, so it's all looking really quite uh, smart now. Uh, that's taken up an awful lot of my time. I was absolutely cream crackered at the end of both weekends when we were working on all of that. So um, good stuff all around there. I've been doing a few videos on my YouTube uh, channel, adding up with Pop Culture Gamers um, YouTube channel. If you uh, want to come and like and subscribe, we need just a few more that we can actually name the channel, which would be absolutely great. So if you haven't already done that, please do it this week. Um, but yep, yeah, so been doing a few more videos for you to be able to watch and also, um, finished an epic journey, um, for a game I was playing, or I've been playing for, well, since 1984, basically, which is elite, but the latest version of it, elite dangerous. Um, as, uh, some of you will know who, if you've listened to the show for a while, um, I play this game on and off, uh, all the time and, a couple of years ago, I went with the community and went out to what was the second uh, human bubble in the game uh, to a place called Colonia and started hanging out and around there. And then I decided I was going to go to Sagittarius A, which is the uh, black hole in the centre of our actual galaxy. Well, it's uh, reproduced within the game as well. I got there. I hung out there. They've put a space station there, which was great because I was able to get a few repairs and that sort of thing. And I'm now back in the human bubble, uh, back where I started from. So just near uh, Earth there in the game. And while a lot of people who've never played this game will think, well, that you know doesn't sound uh, too hard to do. What you've got to remember is that in order to just get from where I was to the centre of the galaxy took about four or five 
hundred hyperspace jumps in the game or friendship drive, uh, frameshift drive uh, jumps as I call it. And that is an awful lot because you also have to keep refueling your ship um, by stars and that sort of thing. Um, I discovered a few planets along the way, sold the astronomical data uh, for that and got a few million in credits as well and ended up back um, back at um, the, the normal human bubble in the game. Fantastic. Took absolutely loads of uh, doing. It's one of those things as well where you might think, doesn't really feel like much of an achievement, does that? But it was because when you're doing so many jumps uh, at a time, you become careless and a moment of carelessness in that game can have you flying into the star and causing masses of damage to your ship where the only thing that you can actually do then is to blow up your ship and get respawned back at the last station that you appeared in and that was you know one of the challenges that I was constantly um, trying to fight was not making mistakes um, when I was refueling and all of that and it's hard to do on a consistent basis for hundreds and hundreds of jumps. You're talking about probably about an 11 or 12 um, light year distance uh, to travel from where I was to the centre of the galaxy. That's about 11 or 12 hours of actual gameplay to do that many jumps in that uh, time. And then to get back was somewhere in the region of about 20 five twenty six hours uh of gameplay to travel back to where I started from, so to sort of like finish off that triangle of um the Milky Way galaxy that I'd gone through absolutely amazing um game um the scale of that game is unreal, really would suggest anyone pick that game up. Anyway, I'm not going to talk about that during a gaming session, but if you want to see what that was uh, like, go to the Pop Culture Gamers uh, YouTube channel, and it's on there. It's the end of an epic journey, and it'll show you the black hole at the centre of the galaxy, and also the Proxima Sagittarius as well, um, which is the um, small star that is near there. Um, I visited both of them while I was there. Um, Really interesting because... The colour scheme, the sky is totally different to how it is in a lot of the rest of uh, the game as well. So well worth a, a look if you're into that sort of game. And if you've never done it as well, obviously. Anyway, let's move on to gaming this week. No longer a dream, but a reality. All right, so gaming this week. And we've got loads of news. There's been lots of stuff with E3. I'll wait for Steve and um, Mark to come back and talk about some of that. In terms of other stuff that's going on, uh, there is a rumour, and I really like this rumour. It's been something I've been banging on about many, many times when we've had questions. But there is a rumour that a franchise might be getting resurrected, and that is going to be evidently the dead space franchise yes your uh, sci-fi horror game of choice is possibly on its way back so we'll uh, be keeping our eyes open for uh, more details of that 
Secondly, thanks to some data miners um, looking at uh, stuff in the background of the Steam Store, there is a possibility that Final Fantasy VII might be coming to PC, as well as something that nobody's talked about, an Alan Wake remaster. So that will be interesting as well. Um, some other news, online services for the PS3 and Xbox 360. I'm sure there's some of you out there still playing some of these online services. But evidently, you will have had an email or you will be finding out that for GTA 5, Max Payne 3 and LA Noir, those services will be ending for multiplayer by the 16th of December 2021. But the single player games will be continuing. Um, in terms of E3, a little bit here. Um, obviously, Microsoft has released a load of games um, for Game Pass. Well worth um, a look uh, at some of that. Microsoft's also committed to be releasing one new party game every quarter. And given the 30 games that uh, they announced at their first press briefing, um, then obviously the, you know we're going to see a lot of games. Um, coming from them and a lot have been already added to Game Pass as well. Uh, a strange one is that Jedi Fallen Order, Fallen Order has had the next-gen treatment and is coming for Xbox and uh, PS5, probably the treatment that nobody really wanted that much. Far Cry 6 is evidently can be played a little bit in third person or so it appears in terms of some of the videos. And Battlefield 2042 release trailer, evidently there's no campaign, just a multiplayer in this game. Uh, and no Battle Royale, evidently, as well. Also, there was a hack of EA, and evidently that stole source code for FIFA and the Frostbite engine, but no player data was stolen. Evidently, it wasn't a ransomware attack as well. Uh, Summer Game Fest, uh, Tiny Tina's Wonderland is going to be a new standalone uh, game with customizable uh, characters. And Hideo Kojima's trailer advertising that Death Stranding Director's Cut is coming to the PS5. Um, I wonder if that will get um, a free upgrade for all of those of us who have got the original game. Another one is Elden Ring, full trailer and full co-op is uh, confirmed. That's coming in January 2022. And also a bit hot off the press is the fact that Cyberpunk 2077 is coming back to the PlayStation Store. And uh, the game will be receiving a patch on day one, evidently. So let's hope that uh, they've solved all of those problems. In terms of new releases, um, we've got quite a few, so here we go. We've got Where the Heart Leads on the PS4 on the 16th of the 7th. Also on the 16th of the 7th is FIFA 2021 on PC, PS4, PS5, Xbox One and Xbox Series X. The Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword HD on the Switch and Gravitational on the PS VR. From the 20th, we've got Monster Harvest on the PC, PS4, Xbox One and Switch. Uh, Chris Tales on the PC, PS4, PS5, Xbox One, Xbox Series X, Switch and Stadia. Uh, Super Magbot on the PC and Switch will be available from the 22nd. Also available from the 22nd will be uh, Labyrinth City, Pierre the Maze Detective on PC. Dungeons & Dragons Dark Alliance on PC, PS4, PS5, Xbox One and Xbox Series X. Lego 
Builder's Journey on the PC and Switch, Phantom Abyss on the PC, Alex Kid in the Miracle World DX on the PC, PS4, PS5, Xbox One, Xbox Series X and Switch. We have Ender Lilies, uh, Quietus of the Nights on the Switch, Worms Rumble on the Switch, Legend of Mana on PC, PS4 and uh, Switch, a Rogue Book on the PC, this uh, Legend of Mana and Rogue Book are from the 24th. Uh, from the 25th, we've got Scarlet Nexus on the PC, PS4, PS5, Xbox One and Series uh, X. Uh, we've got Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2 on the Switch. There's also Super Squad on the PC, Mario Golf Super Rush on the Switch, and on the 26th is Solaris Offworld Combat. Um, in terms of subscription games for Game Pass this month, we have some of these are already have gone on. Most of them will already have gone now, but there is the Wild Heart for Cloud for Honor on Cloud and Console. Um, Backbone on the PC, Darkest Dungeon on Cloud and Console and PC, Arcs uh, Fatalis on um, PC, Dishonored, Death of the Outsider on PC, Cloud and Console, Doom 2016 on PC and Console, The Evil Within 2 on PC, Cloud and Console, Rage on the PC and Console, Wolfenstein 2 on the new, uh, sorry, Wolfenstein 2 the new uh, Colossus on PC, Cloud and Console, Fallout on PC, Fallout 2 on PC, Fallout Tactics on PC, Fallout 3 on PC, Cloud and Console, Dungeons and Dragons Dark Alliance on the Cloud, Console and PC, and then the Need for Speed Hot Pursuit Remastered on the Console and PC. Confirmed leaving uh, Game Pass, and these will have already have left anyway, is Ace Combat 7 Skies Unknown, um, that's on Console, Night Cloud on Cloud, Console and PC, West of Dead on Cloud, Console and PC, Wizard of Legend, Cloud, Console, PC, and Observation, Cloud, Console and uh, PC. Um, so a full list of games are, are going to be available from uh, shortly. It's going to be the Witcher 3 Game of the Year edition. That's going to be available until the 6th of September, Sonic Forces. Um, will be permanently added. Team Sonic Racing is going to be permanently added, added. Sorry, let's get this right. This is on PlayStation now. So the Witcher 3 Game of the Year edition will be uh, available from uh, until S September the 6th. Sonic Forces, um, Team Sonic Racing, Sonic Mania, Slay the Spire, Car Mechanic Simulator and Virtual Fighter 5 Ultimate Showdown. They're all um, added to PlayStation now. <coughs> on Epic, we've got a few different games here. So we have uh, Hell is Other Demons, Overcooked 2. They're both available at the moment um, until the 24th. Then we've got Horizon Chase Turbo and Sonic Mania, which will be available um, from June 24th until uh, July the 1st. So a few new games are there as well. Um, I've already mentioned... In terms of a lot of the gaming this week um, about uh, Elite Dangerous, which had uh, been playing, absolutely epic. I've also restarted um, Assassin's Creed Origins uh, of all games um, because I did have that on Xbox, but I never actually really played it very much. So I've uh, dug that one out, been playing that. Um, that's got the 
um, Egyptian sort of character with a very North Yorkshire uh, sort of North Yorkshireized name uh, phrase, uh, which is Bayek. Um, so Bayek means something very different in North Yorkshire to what it means in the game. Um, but um, it's really interesting to uh, actually play that game. I do like the campaign. I've completed it before on PlayStation. Really good campaign. Looks absolutely superb on Xbox. What's not to like? The only thing that I'm really a bit mm, about is the fact that it's not on the 60 frames per second, which I can't really understand why, because the Xbox Series X would be more than enough to um, really bolster that um, that frames per second on that game. Anyway, uh, another game I've been playing has been Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War. Um, now, this got me intrigued because of some of the uh, more recent stuff in the seasons, which had John McClane and John Rambo uh, that you could actually uh, purchase as, you know, one of your uh, characters. Um, I haven't been playing the multiplayer, but I have been playing the campaign. And even with RTX off on your computer, this game looks and plays fantastic. Really, really smooth on a 3080. Let's face it, though, it should be. But it's absolutely superb with high details on absolutely everything. It's an interesting campaign. It allows you to have um, some tweaks to your character. So um, when you start your game, you can give your character a name. Um, and then it has lots of redacted bits. And you choose the word that goes in the unredacted. And that gives uh, different bits of your personality. So some might give you 25% more hit points. Some might give you a higher rate of getting a critical hit on um, somebody. Um, other things might uh, mean that you're quicker on the draw. And you get to choose two of them. I think it's a really quite neat and novel and nice way of um, allowing you to add some perks into your game. Or you can just set it at um, a sort of like random one. And then the game will probably adapt to the way that you play like i said really good campaign um really interesting but call of duty campaigns always are uh really good um so let's uh you know i've not ventured into the zombies as of yet i intend to because i do like the zombie levels but i think it's one of those things where you do need some help and support in order to be able to get through those okay so it's going to be a quicker show this week but um, I'm going to end the gaming section for there for now because we don't really have anybody don't really have anybody to discuss it with but just uh, some little bits of information for you on that and we'll move on to movies tv and streaming in quest of a better life okay so movies tv and streaming and Bit of news first off, an article that I saw today, and it was about the Incredible Hulk star um, from the 80s, the one I grew up with, which is Louis Ferrigno, uh, uh, can never pronounce his name right, has seemingly been hitting out on the MCU and modern superheroes in a recent Twitter post. Ferrigno um, appearing in cameo role, has appeared in cameo roles in 2003's Hulk, 2008's The Incredible Hulk, as a security guard by posting, uh, but he took to posted on Twitter um, on June the 19th, um, which appears that the actor was 
hitting out against the MCU at the use of CGI. Uh, Ferrigno stated that he can't think of another superhero that isn't in costume or CGI. Lou wrote alongside a picture of himself as the Hulk in the CBS TV series, saying that he worked damn hard on my diet and excuse, uh, sorry, an exercise uh, for the Hulk. Wasn't going to let anyone down. The Hulk was my hero as a kid as well. And let's face it, there wasn't very many people around that you didn't see who didn't have a physique better than uh, Lou Ferrigno in the time. Um, you know, it was before a lot of people really got into bodybuilding and Arnie and all of that were proper household names. He was incredible. I remember being in absolute awe at, you know, his physical sort of stature um, in those uh, series and especially when he looked at the very weedy, uh, you know, Bill Baxby, you know, it was, um, it was, he was incredible. Um, I know there were corny shows, but we grew up on them. They were absolutely fantastic. This guy, you know, is a kind of like a hero of mine. Uh, I love watching the Hulk and he's right. You know, nowadays a lot of CGI is in um, stuff and it's a bit of a shame. But, you know, that's the way things go. Obviously, Mark Ruffalo is the Hulk nowadays. You know, maybe he's just feeling a bit left out in the cold. It's a shame when that happens, but, you know, that's life. Anyway. Uh, interesting news article. So, cinema releases for this week on the 24th of June um, is uh, F9 The Fast Saga, followed on the 25th by Supernova and uh, D'Artagnan Le Tre Mosque Perios, or something like that. I don't know what that film is. Um, interest, I have no idea, but I'm sure somebody will uh, be interested in that. In terms of Blu-ray DVD releases, not very many really. It's uh, quite a poor sort of week. There is Batman Along Halloween Part 1 on Blu-ray and DVD and there's also Blu-ray Steelbook. And the other, th- I think about the only other one that I've really picked out of the list this time is Deadpool Lenticular Steelbook. Um, so if you're into your classic sort of uh, collections for those, then uh, be able to get that. In terms of cinema charts, we have Raya and the Last Dragon at number five. It's uh, staying at the same point. Uh, number three, da- uh, number four down from three is Tom and Jerry the movie. Number three up from four is A Quiet Place. Number two down from one is Godzilla vs. Kong. And at number one up from two is God knows how, but Zack Snyder's Justice League. Who on earth is watching that rubbish? Um, but that's uh, number one. At number for Blu-ray and DVD charts, at number five is a re-entry of X-Men Two. Wow, can't believe X-Men Two is actually back in the charts. At number four, a new entry is Abba with a Waterloo. <laughs> Evidently, uh, at number three, down from one is Zack Snyder's Justice League. At number two, a re-entry is Basic Instinct, and at number one is a new entry. Godzilla vs. Kong. Um, in terms of movies I've watched this week or uh, shows, I've been watching loads of park and uh, recreation and really enjoying the show. It's so weird seeing Chris Pratt in such a kind of goofy role, um, really. But I do love the show. It's just a bit of gentle comedy. 
uh, a bit um, irrelevant, uh, irreverent um, in terms of the delivery. Really quite like it. Uh, you know, there's not not much more to say about that. It's just you know another long-standing series. Um, they've just um, I've just literally watched the episode where they visited London. Seems to be a thing. You know, friends visited London. They visited London, and I think um, it wasn't London, but it was somewhere in Europe that they uh, they did on uh, another uh, show as well. So just seems to be uh, be the thing that uh, American shows do when they get really super popular. Um, anyway, really interesting. Um, a movie I've watched, uh, which is on Netflix, is. Uh, uh, I'm going to recommend that you uh, have a look at. It's not the best movie in the world. It's got plenty of mistakes in it. But it's quite an interesting premise. And that is Awake. So this is a movie starring Gina Rodriguez. Uh, she's from Jane the Virgin. And she was also Velma's uh, voice in Scoob. So following a freakish accident. All electrical devices stop working across the globe. Satellites fall out of the sky and comatose and unconscious people wake up. Several hours later, people realise nobody can sleep. There are only a few days before people's mental facilities start to deteriorate and everybody begins to die. Um, because obviously we all need to be able to sleep in order to keep our cognitive abilities going. And a former soldier may have found a solution with her daughter who is one of two known people with the ability to sleep. So, really interesting um, premise for a movie. And, I, you know, I, I really quite enjoyed it. The movie continues to keep the tension going from the initial instant through every sort of scene and raises the stakes, which, it you know, it places the three main characters in. Um, in peril while two of the characters or the characters mental abilities are constantly deteriorating um i i think gina rodriguez did a really um good role there is a whole subplot about rodriguez being an estranged mother which uh, gives the uh, uh, the younger actor playing her son a range uh, from playing the moody teen to his to the resentful sort of child Let's be honest, this is no AAA movie experience, um, to be sure, but there are elements uh, that you know didn't work um, and one or two poor special effects. However, Rodriguez really does put in a solid performance um, as she starts off as someone who's, you know, sets out as a, you know, a bit of an action hero or heroine um, sort of ex-soldier and starts to become more and more paranoid and starts to hallucinate as her mental abilities uh, decrease. Very middle-of-the-road sort of movie. You know, you won't miss much if you don't see it, to be fair. But if you can, uh, or if there's nothing else to watch, it's definitely worth your time to sit through it, I think. Um, like I said, I enjoyed it. I love that whole sort of what if kind of um, situation. So yeah, um, interesting. The other show I've been watching is very obviously Loki. Now I'm not going to give any sort of uh, description uh, away about this show. Uh, other than what I hinted at on the last show. 
about my prediction and it would appear I was right. However, uh, after looking at IMDB and looking ahead at the show, I think that the uh, person who um, appears at the end of show two is maybe not who I originally predicted, but a different character in the MCU. That's my working theory at the moment. I'm going to um, hold out on that one. And the reason why I say that is because the character was referred to as the variant in the first three episodes of the Loki on IMDb, but then it stops being referred to as the variant. So I think that there's going to be a it's not everything's not quite as it as it appears personal opinion not giving any insider information not trying to spoil it for anyone um watch the show you will see you know it, it it's definitely a really good show i think it's stronger in terms of the second episode than either one division was or um the falcon and the winter soldier I think this one's coming in stronger, but, um, you know, Tom Hiddleston, he's absolutely brilliant as Loki. He's been playing him for years. He completely gets the character. What more can you say, really? You're in good hands with him. And, yeah, you know, there's great dynamics between the characters so far. I love all of the stuff that they're setting up in terms of the um, the uh, the time uh, directives in the prime timeline and uh, the time variant authority and all of that sort of thing. I think it's going to be really interesting. It's quite obviously setting up the new Spider-Man movie uh, in terms of the, the Spider-Verse and it's obviously setting up the multiverse of madness in what it's doing. Um, but here's the thing. Maybe it's supposed to. Maybe it's all preordained no matter what... Um, what is going on in it? It's really quite interesting. Anyway, have a look at it. See if you, you know, if you like Marvel, you should enjoy this. No problem. Okay, so that's the uh, movies, TV, and streaming section. So it's just down to the last section, which is your listener questions. John, what's happening to us? Okay, so list of questions, and Mark may not be here with us in voice, but he is here with us in question. So Mark's got two, and he's saying, do you agree with the opinion that the new gen consoles are being held back by developers having to support the previous gen? I think we've already had a question similar to this, and every generation where there's a crossover it's exactly the same and no I don't really think that because when you look at the PC market and the games there um, the PC market has many more gens um, effectively than the console market because the next gen is effectively when the next graphics card is which is approximately every two to three years so in terms of is there a um sort of like holding back no and i think that the way that the consoles are working now there doesn't have to be because they have the ability to be able to um upscale the graphics and then downscale them for the lesser consoles for the older consoles i should say not lesser um and that sort of thing so no definitely not um i i think that 
maybe some of the development, there'd be very limited cases where there would be something being developed that um, does require to be only run on the latest hardware. So something like the new Ratchet and Clank game, you know, that's supposed to be um, impossible on a previous gen, isn't it? I have no idea if it's been released on a PS4 or not because I have no interest in Ratchet and Clank at all. Um, it's not a franchise I've ever been a big fan of. Uh, but I'm sure that there'll be stuff that'll come along the line which will really push this gen uh, to its maximum in the next few years. But it's the same every time. Whenever you get a brand new gen, there's always that transitional period. Always. Anyway, his second question is, uh, what game will you be playing over Christmas? Um, and sorry you couldn't have a, uh, couldn't be here and have a good, good show. So, um, mate, I don't even know what game I'm playing tomorrow let alone next Christmas. Seriously. <laughs> uh, I think I'll probably still be playing Mass Effect by then because uh, I seem to have um, detoured away from it and I seem to be back on Assassin's Creed, but on Origins, can't quite understand that one, but I'll get back to it. Um, but in terms of new games and what's been um, suggested and is going to be available... I have no idea. I really don't have any idea. I'm kind of like a spur of the moment kind of player. To see what I feel like on the day. Uh, unless I get a game really, really under my skin. Um, I don't know. I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. Okay, so Jason Toons asked, With the recent announcement of Battlefield 2042 being an online multiplayer game only, do you think they're justified in charging £70 for it? especially given that the games are going to be riddled with season passes and play-to-win content. I know the price point has always been a contentious issue, but when they're charging so much, should you at least expect a campaign to go along with it or a bare-bones content gradually becoming the new norm um, and with the huge price hike? Um, I'm with you, Jason. I seriously think it's disgusting if they're going to charge £70 for a game that is going to be online only, no campaign, and then you've got to pay for a season pass. That, to me, is just taking the mick. It's just really... It's insulting to game players, totally. I'm absolutely against it. I think it's wrong. No. Um, if If they're going to do that, well, Battlefield's dead in the water i think there'll be the core players who play it but if you don't buy it day one you're going to be disadvantaged right after that so there's no point in even picking it up if you don't pick it up day one so no i think i'm it's going to be for the hardcore players only i think um and they'll get ripped off uh by the company i think this is a problem with um the games nowadays is a lot of games do this thing of you buy the expansion pass or you buy the game and then you've got to buy the subsequent stuff. Look at the way that Destiny's gone. I mean, I know it's always been kind of like that, but it's a perfect example uh, of it as well. At least with Fortnite, you get the game free and then you know you, you pay for the season pass if you want to put, uh, have the season pass. <coughs> and you can buy all of the cosmetic stuff. But no, I think it's completely wrong. Um, anyway, Mark Tudors asked, Have you really enjoyed a remaster or a remake of a game 
where you've never played the original game and you realised you missed a corker the first time round? Um, no. I have never, ever played a remaster of a game where I'd missed it originally because I'd played it originally. I'm afraid. I can't think of any remasters that have been released where I hadn't already played the original. Um, Nothing's coming into my head. So, yeah. Um, I mean, there are some remasters I've played that I've thought, God, I I couldn't remember how good this game was. Um, You know, I'm really fell in love with the game again um for example batman arkham um those the the games in that collection replaying all of the you know the batman arkham asylum you know batman arkham city getting reacquainted with those games that was absolutely fantastic actually i've thought of a game where i realized i'd missed something mafia the definitive edition um Played, played a remaster of that. I definitely noticed, or I definitely thought I'd missed out. So, yeah, there we go. Thought of one eventually. So, yeah, Mafia Definitive Collection. Um, realised I missed out on some good games there. Uh, so, Scott Kidd, uh, do you think you're going to see the Switch Pro this year? No, I think it'll be next year. Um, I think that Nintendo have probably more business acumen than to release it release the console if they can't get hold of the chips because it'll just frustrate people there's many people who are frustrated with uh, playstation and xbox although it is getting better it is getting better um lee doherty he's asked does the length of a game how affect how much you're willing to spend on it is 70 pounds worth it for a 10 hour experience when you're paying the same for a 100 hour rpg i think that depends upon the experience lee i really do um but i completely understand where you're coming from as well in terms of more bang for your buck in terms of if you like for example assassin's creed odyssey that's a really good example of a game um that game is 100 hours plus, but it was £70 for the Gold Edition or £100 for the one with the Assassin's Creed 3. And I really, um, I really loved that game and I got loads and loads of value for money from it. In terms of another game which I loved, Hellblade Senua's Sacrifice, that was a cheaper game, but it was only about seven and a half hours. Well, seven hours, 20 odd minutes, it took me to complete it. Now, if you divide the the hour, the cost by the hours, you really don't, you know, on, on that sort of mathematical sort of way of working it out, then Hellblade is nowhere near as good value as um, Assassin's Creed Odyssey. But even though I love Assassin's Creed Odyssey, Hellblade was one hell of a game. And I can't, you know, I can't really take it away from that. Um, you know, it was worth the £3 an hour equivalent or £4 an hour, whatever it was, in terms of what the value of that game was being sold at for the length of time it took to complete the game. Um, yes, it was more value for money for the Assassin's Creed game, 
but I had such a blast with he- uh, Hellblade, and I'm so looking forward to the next Hellblade game as well. So, um, both perfect examples in terms of, I think, the type of thing that you're trying to get at. But sometimes the length of a game does have a dictation. But to be fair, I think that the paying for a full-price game at £70 is the clinching factor. That really, really, really has to be a game I feel I cannot live without until it gets, you know, without, you know, without waiting. Um, so for example, buying, um, Mass Effect Legendary Edition, I got it for launch. When I bought my PlayStation 5, I got Miles, uh, Ma- uh Morales, uh, Spider-Man. But I got that more, not because I was so dying to play that game, but because I knew it was a good example of what the PS5 could currently do and a game I knew I would like. And also, I got the version which got the original game as well, which I absolutely adored and I platinumed in the, in the day. So I, th- I think it's, it's a bit more complicated than a pure cost divided by time ratio. Uh, but, for me, you know, that one of the key things is, you know, does it have a campaign? Um, that's important. Is it a campaign? Is it, is it a world that I'm familiar with? Is it one that I know? Is it one that I want to play? All of that sort of stuff. So there's, it's, it's a more complicated, but sometimes the cost of a game will, or often the cost of a game will stop me from, well, buying it because it's just too expensive. You know, you've got to be selective in terms of what you buy uh, to play. Anyway, that's it. It's a bit of a short show uh, this week, so sorry about that, but you know, there's only me. Uh, but hopefully you've got some good content there and some in- interesting information. If you want to get in contact with me, you can do so by, um, well, contacting me on Twitter, at HRJUK. Contact me on PSN, Xbox Live, Steam, whatever as H-E-I-J, or on Epic um, Game Store on uh, Pop Culture Gamers. If you want to follow the show, you can follow the show on Twitter, at Pop Culture Gamer. You can look at our Facebook group. You can look at our Facebook page. Join those. Uh, you can email podcast at popculturegamers.co.uk or visit our website, anchor.fm forward slash popculturegamers. Don't forget we have a YouTube channel. Just do a search for Pop Culture Gamers. You'll find it. There's lots of, um, you know, uh, game footage. There's stuff about movies that we've watched, all of that sort of thing. You know, trailers for stuff that we've seen, all of that sort of stuff that uh, is there to just help and, you know, augment the show and give you a bit more information and, you know, a bit more feel for some of the stuff that you might be into. So please subscribe to that we need just a few more before we can actually name the channel so you know come on guys this is a call for uh action from you if you haven't already do it done it please do so now um other than that we'll see you hopefully on sunday when hopefully at least steve and i will get together and record the show so with that it's a good night for me and a good night from those guys bye guys bye guys